Welcome to Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I love to make romantic recommendations for movies, TV shows, and books on a different theme each episode. This is Poppy, and in this episode, Atmospheric Romantic Suspense. As we know, I'm a wimp when it comes to horror of any kind or any kind of violence. But for whatever reason, when the days get shorter and the air gets cooler and Halloween is getting close, I love a good romantic period drama, an atmospheric psychological thriller in costumes, especially if the story centers on a brave, smart woman who solves problems and acts as an agent of social change in the story. Passion and guts are so romantic to me. A long, long time ago, I covered the limited series The Woman in White. And if you like period romantic dramas, that are also, oh, scary psychological thrillers, don't miss that one. I will link to it in the show notes. It's full of creepy atmosphere and centers on a woman who takes her personal power and agency and fights against gendered expectations and oppressive 19th century patriarchy. Woohoo! Very much like the limited series The Essex Serpent, based on a best-selling novel by Sarah Perry and the movie The Beguiled, based on a 1960s story, but directed with a distinct feminist vibe by Sofia Coppola. The shots in these films look just like a Turner painting. A gauzy white mist shrouding the creepy action played out in dusk or deep shadow, characters wandering about in sprigged gowns and bonnets, frock coats, voices calling out from a distance on the damp, spongy marshes, or on a shaded, humid plantation full of live oaks dripping with moss. The cinematography in these two films is incredible. It's central to the storytelling in both of these films, either charming you like a beautifully painted fairy tale or obscuring the action like a thin veil creating doubt. What you see is not always what you get by the end. Both the limited series and this film dovetail with my last episode about the film You Hurt My Feelings. These two films also explore clashing values, expectations, personal passions and bravery, gender politics, and sexual politics. Both of the stories feature smart and brave 19th century women who are bucking expectations, social conditioning, and patriarchal institutions. In The Essex Serpent, 
Cora Seaborn's abusive, rich husband has just died, and Cora feels nothing but relief. As an amateur naturalist, she becomes fascinated by a living fossil that supposedly lives in the marshes around Essex, a sea serpent terrorizing the local population. So she decides to go with her young son, Frank, and her servant, Martha, to see for herself. Ambitious young family doctor, Dr. Garrett, has an unrequited crush on Cora, and he follows her to Essex to look after her, hmm, and tries to get her to come back to London with him, but her only response is to send Martha back to London to get more of their things so they can stay on longer in the Essex cottage she has just rented. Okay, there are some juicy, sapphic, and bisexual implications in this story. Ooh. Any good? Would you recommend it? I would. Listen to this. All that is solid melts into air. All that is sacred is profaned. Shakespeare? Karl Marx. The Communist Manifesto, I believe. How did you become so... uh, radical? (laughs) I was born in Bethnal Green. When everything around you is broken, you look for new ideas. So how does Cora cope with the raging socialist in her home? We're not so different, she and I. In her grand townhouse. That came with her husband. Along with her jewels. She's given them all away. So you're close? Yeah, she could say that. She confides in you? Sometimes. About matters of the heart? Well, I mean, do you you think think she'll she'll stay in Essex long? I don't know. Cora does what Cora wants from now on. Does she now? As you do, I'm sure, Dr. Garrett. There are so many atmospheric aerial shots of the serpentine marshes around Essex. It only adds to the symbolism and the mystery and pervasive creepiness. The unseen sea creature inspires hysteria and superstition and rampant fear in the community, much to the frustration of the rational, patient, local vicar, played by Tom Hiddleston. Y'all! Tom Hiddleston as a vicar. Hello. You're the vicar. (laughs) Pleased to meet you, Mrs. Seaborn. Uh, John, you remember the day I I cut my face? She's the strange lady from the marshes. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm sorry, I I was rude. I I don't know what I would have done without you. You were a monster. I'm, I'm sure I was. Hello. Martha. Martha, Will, pleased to meet you. It's nice to meet you. I'm hungry. Could we eat? What a good idea. So you're here to look for fossils? Mm. Cora is obsessed with the serpent. Mm. Well, 
The only serpent here is on a pew in church. It's been there for 200 years. Now it's come back to life. Why do you think that? Because it's been seen on the marshes. And now, well, lots of people think that... Joe, it's enough. The serpent is not real. But what if it is? Do you know the work of Charles Lyell? <laughs> yes, of course. We'll read everything. Who's Charles Lyell? He wrote about animals that escaped evolution. Perhaps your serpent's one of them. Uh, no. No, the serpent is an invention. It's a, a symptom of the, the times we oh, live in. Exciting times. Of great change that bring real fears with them. So you're against progress? You're determined to see me in a very narrow light. Well, maybe I fear your judgment. Perhaps I'm an outcast, at least in the eyes of your church. Jesus was an outcast. Once upon a time. But these days he's very establishment. <laughs> True. I'd rather believe in a creature people have actually seen than an invisible god. Is that blasphemy? We won't get Will to judge you, no matter how hard you try. But speak to my curate. He'd happily condemn you to hellfire. <laughs> the drab, chalk-white stone houses in this community, the brown marsh grasses, the oppressive steel-gray sky looming over nearly every exterior shot, and Claire Danes' nervous, pained, bright energy, dressed in a strange carrot-orange hair, and dull wool clothes with exaggerated puff sleeves. It's all perfect for this squirky story about a woman trapped as a rich, powerful, abusive man's wife who couldn't wait to rip off the gold earrings he gave her and toss them down the nearest London sewer after he died. Cora throws off her cultural shackles, too, and is finally steering her own ship, and as the action gets going, metaphorically walks right into the belly of the beast. She's so brave, striding around, digging for fossils, trudging through the mud in denim trousers and a suede hat. I'll come back with some tools. What are you hoping to find? A tangible link to our past to the creatures that came before us. To what you think is out there. Maybe. But how can a dead fossil prove the existence of a living one? It can't, but it might give us hints, clues. You really believe that? I think I believe. And I'm sure of the difference between thinking and believing. Perhaps one day you can teach me. I thought you favoured hard evidence over supposition. Science requires dreams, just like your theology. To make a leap in the dark, from ignorance to understanding. Faith. 
they're both trying to understand and feel their way through this setting of overwhelming fear and suspicion, seeking purpose, not achievement, as the vicar says. And there's a tinge, just a tinge of forbidden romantic tension between them because he's already in a partnership with Stella, and yet he's so perfectly her match. Oh, there is romance in the Essex Serpent, but it's more like raw sex, stolen in the mucky marshes, red raw faces, mud everywhere, marshy damp, a rustic, chilly church, and so many delicious scary tropes. There's something in the water, the other infiltrating the community, Strangers are to be distrusted. Women are witches. We fear what we can't see. And eventually, friends to lovers. Oh, the scary yet cozy and romantic atmosphere. The mystery. The sexy philosophical discussions. The awesome, brave, patriarchy-busting women. And those painterly shots. By the way, there are graphic scenes of late 19th century surgical procedures and a few brief scenes of physical abuse in this movie. And this leads us to The Beguiled, starring Nicole Kidman as the headmistress of a school for girls in the American South right around the Civil War. The school is housed in a gorgeous old plantation with big white columns, which has been all but abandoned as the war rages around them. The only two adults left are tightly wound Nicole Kidman as Miss Martha Farnsworth, the headmistress, and Kirsten Dunst as restless, repressed teacher Miss Edwina Morrow, plus five students some near puberty and all still taking their French lessons and doing embroidery while fierce battles continue. They wander the grounds in those sprigged cotton dresses. Things are so mannered and proper. And then things slowly turn from genteel to Southern Gothic. After one of the students finds an injured Union soldier played by Colin Farrell, collapsed under one of their massive trees, and being good Christian women, they drag him inside to tend to his wounds. But his arrival sends shockwaves through the school, which is just oozing with restlessness and repression. The young girls all begin to vie for his attention, even stuck-up Miss Martha and especially sweet Miss Edwina. Miss Edwina Morrow. I've missed being near you. You have? Yeah. You've no idea how lovely you are. Miss Farnsworth suggested it's time for me to be on my way. I don't want you to leave. I don't want to leave. I love you, Edwina. 
Please don't ever say that unless you mean it. I do mean it. Jeez, I knew exactly how I felt about you the first time we talked. I was too afraid to say anything for fear that you'd never let me near you again. I'm only telling you now because I'm running out of time. It might be my last chance. I realize I'm not good enough for you, Edwina. That's not true. It is. You just don't believe in yourself enough to see it so. I'm tired of this war. I want to see the West. If you can get to Richmond, my father can help you. Come with me. Corporal? Miss Martha invites you to dine with us. Stop your giggling. Manners. <laughs> that dress is very becoming, Miss Edwina. Thank you. There might be other attractive shoulders here if we were all permitted to wear such dresses. I wouldn't say it's entirely suitable for a young ladies' school. But we know Miss Edwin is accustomed to town society with different views. I would suggest that we change the subject and that Miss Edwina draws her shawl. Yes. That will avoid any more speculation on the subject. It's the best meal I've had in a long time. Thank you, ma'am. Merci beaucoup. Miss Alicia made the pie herself. I hope you like apple pie. Love apple pie. It's my favorite. Is that my recipe, Alicia? It is. I picked the apples. They're delicious. Apple pie's my favorite, too. Really? We've been fortunate to have enough water for our garden. Yes, ma'am. Shall we have some music? Now with that, it's some magnetism. <laughs> Things are all well-mannered and gently nostalgic. Miss Morrow, I have another chance to tell you how ravaging it looked tonight. Thank you. May I come and see you this evening? Would you care for a digestive, Corporal? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> what a beautiful evening, ma'am. Isn't it? The music's lovely. Yes, it is. Pardon. <laughs> My father had quite a salary in his day. This house was full of parties. People traveled from all over to come here. That well, must have been splendid, ma'am. Carriages lined up. It was 
Beautiful, beautiful gowns, men in full dress, elegant dinners and balls. Well, a toast to you, Miss Martha. You must be the bravest woman I've ever known. Now all bravery is, is, is doing what is needed at the time. Tell me, Corporal. Yes, ma'am. Do you think this war will be over soon? Very soon. Sooner than you Southerners are ready to admit. And you could do with some help around here. A man's help. Despite Colonel McBurney being a blue belly, affections grow. Everyone's getting along famously. But then he forgets where he is for a minute, fucks around, and finds out. Literally. There's an accident. Blood. After which Miss Martha instructs Miss Edwina to grab the saw from the smokehouse and find the anatomy book. Y'all, I cannot with this plot. The fantasies in this school take them to sinful, forbidden places for women in the 19th century. And when the flirtations and superficial manners and the niceties of their little pocket of the South have to be abandoned, they choose survival. These steel magnolias conducting their own little battle. Both of these films are dark thematically and visually. Definitely bring your spectacles for the beguiled. (laughs) But they are visually rich and painterly and deeply romantic. These women are coming into their own, facing demons and sometimes cruel dilemmas while embracing their agency, which wasn't well exercised at the time. Their rebellions and sheer survival is shrouded in atmosphere, suspense, and it all still feels brutally relevant. Maybe that's what makes these stories so scary. We recognize the struggle, and we still don't know how it's going to turn out. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll share this episode and tell a few friends about it. For more information and show notes, visit confessionsofaclosetromantic.com.